The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Riverfront. This is episode number 422 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week is uh, just to my, I guess on your screen, he's to my left. It's up or to your right. I don't understand how directions work, but it's Nate somewhere. (laughs) Nate, how are you? I'm great, Chad. uh, It's good to be here. Wick, we are glad to have you. And you know, Chad, I feel like you're always asking us how we are. So I want to know what the viewers want to know. How are you? Well, after I saw that artwork over your shoulder there, I'm not very good. Um, Nate Reference, our other guest here today, once again from redreporter.com, your friend and mine, Wick Terrell. How are you, Wick? I'm good. Yeah, you said left and right. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, which side is my mustache dipping down on? Is that left or is that right? I can't. <laughs> Try to get this straight over here. So, but yes, thank you for having me back, guys, to talk about our wonderful, lovely, favorite baseball team, the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. Ah, uh, we again. We have to remind ourselves at the beginning of each of these shows, we have to keep laughing. We got to try to have some fun with it, guys. I don't know what else to do. Right? This picture has nothing to do with the Reds. I'm just really trying to tell uh, my fiance that she needs to. School. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I look. I look forward to uh, making sure that she does uh, view this uh, at least the first couple of minutes of this show you know, for the first time. Ever. Uh, Wick, you had a uh, you had a tweet earlier. You you do the tweets right sometimes. I, I always have a tweet for something. Yeah, whether it's uh, idiotic or not, there's pretty much a tweet for it. Yeah. <laughs> what frustrated me is the fact that you were comparing this to that uh, horrific uh, was it 2018 season the. Um, when the Reds started out so three and eighteen, and this is all, and the Reds are now three and sixteen, and they look awfully similar, right? They look incredibly similar. Yeah, uh, that was uh, all of five years ago. It dawned on me last night uh, that they had the same exact record as, as they did back in the, the glory days of the twenty eighteen season. Um, so I, I tapped our friend, uh, former Red reporter. Managing editor Joel Luckup, who's the uh, statistician for former Fox Sports Ohio, now Bally Sports, I believe. Um, basically saying, how many times has any franchise in baseball um, had two, three, and 15 starts within a five-year window? Uh, and it's basically three times ever. It was the early aughts uh, Detroit Tigers, who were just classically terrible, uh, and the Mets, the amazing Mets back in 62-63. That's it. Those are the only other times any other franchise since 1901 has had two, three, and 15 or worse starts in a five-year window. So, um, 
yeah, comparing that to an era that doesn't seem like it's that long ago, especially given everything we've gone through the last two years of trying to experience sports and watch baseball, it's like we're right back where we started and they never got anywhere in the meantime. So, ah, you know? <laughs> well, yes, yes, but, you know, what's frustrating is I'll go back and look at those other teams, uh, but I'm sure that none of those had a quote-unquote playoff uh, appearance. Of course, playoffs were different back then, but at least had an above 500 team and a couple of teams that were non-losing teams in between those uh, three and 15 starts. It's just, it's so frustrating and kind of emblematic of what we're dealing with, with this ownership that will not uh, commit to a plan longer than, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. It's like everything is so perilously thin just to get them to 83 wins at the moment you don't have all things pointed directly at exactly where you're trying to get to. The whole thing just falls completely apart. And it's what happened post-2015. It's what's happening right now. Um, you know, certainly there are plenty of unfortunate circumstances that have gone into why they're three and sixteen right now. Like gotta be clear about that, no doubt about it. But it's like the enthusiasm, the momentum, all of that, you know, intangible crap that's so hard to quantify. That's why it's intangible, Wick. Um, all of that just immediately evaporated. And so even the good stuff that you thought might have a chance of potentially happening this year. That's just been like overwhelmed by this tsunami of bad everything else. And here we are, you know, and it's another season where before we even get to the end of April, we're pretty much waiting for football season. <laughs> Again. Oh, NFL draft. Thank you. We just found the title of this episode, Tsunami of Bad. <laughs> yeah, write that down, Nate. Um, yeah, I mean, but I don't know what you all are complaining about, frankly. And Nate, I'll ask you to uh, address this because last week on the on the show, and of course, Wick wasn't with us last week. Um, but uh, you know, it was a it was a rough week. The Reds were in the middle of an eleven game winning streak. This week, the Reds won a game. Right? What do you want? They didn't win any games last week. We did get one victory this week, and who was it against? The St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, really, break, break out the champagne. We're, uh, we're we're greedy as Reds fans. You know, we we want the world, we want it all, and we deserve it. So, uh, yeah, we're we're not going to complain unless we get perfection, and we only get perfection in the form of Kyle Farmer. Unfortunately, the rest of it. But we might as well go go there. Uh, you know, the Reds are, of course, in the midst of a streak of thirteen losses in fourteen games. No, fourteen losses in fifteen games. Oh my gosh. Um, but can we talk just for a moment since we're looking for positives and we're always looking for positives. Uh, and because everyone likes to tweet at me every time Kyle Farmer does well, <laughs> Kyle Farmer has had a couple of good games and I'm happy about Kyle Farmer. I mean, he's not a superstar. He's a slightly above average hitting shortstop right now with defense that I'm not going to complain about, but hey, if we're looking for things to be positive about, I don't know. The guy gets four doubles in one game. And so kudos to him, I guess. Uh, Wick, I know you're a charter member of the the California fan club, so I'll let you uh, opine. Yeah, I, I think I said something along the lines of Kyle Farmer is going to be a phenomenal pickup for somebody at the trade deadline this year um, <laughs> because he's playing well enough to say, uh, I can play anywhere, I can be a shortstop if you need me to be. And, um, yeah, uh, he's – I mean – We've said this before. He's not a bad baseball player. And if Kyle Farmer is your sixth or seventh best player, you're probably a pretty good team. It's kind of how it was last year. You know, Kyle Farmer was the seventh or eighth best player on the Reds, and so be it. Are there better options in the pipeline? Yeah, you kind of like to think so, but um, he's playing well. And it's kind of hard to fault him, especially when literally nobody else is playing well. Um, uh, I, I guess I take that back. We, we should give Tommy Pham some credit. He signed very, very late in spring. 
got basically no spring training and got off to perhaps the worst start in Reds signing history. Uh, but then he got a chance to finally face his former team in the San Diego Padres. And over the last two weeks, Tommy Pham has been playing like the player that we all hoped he would be. So um, imagine that. Here we are in, 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 in 2022, the Cincinnati Reds being carried by Tommy Pham, Kyle Farmer, and Brandon Drury, who also deserves a mention in that category as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll mention all of those. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kyle Farmer is, you know, he's Kyle Farmer. You're exactly right. If, if this were a team where the Reds were, were, were trying, he's your short, even if he's your shortstop, but he's, you know, your number seven, number eight hitter, you know, uh, or nine, I guess, even. He, you know, he had an 87 OPS plus last year. Everyone acts like that was his breakout season. And it kind of was. And he was he was serviceable. He was fine. I, I, he was not the problem with last year's team. He's uh, slightly above average so far this year. And I like having the guy. He can help somebody. He's a, he's a in terms of utility guy. He, he can help a team. I'm not sure how Cesar Geronimo was on the big red machine, you know, like <laughs> – you, you need those kind of players. You just got to have the superstars if you're going to win anything, you know? <laughs> right. He can't be your guy. Um, Tommy Pham, you know, uh, I was happy with the Tommy Pham signing, I guess. You know, I mean, it came on the heels of the maybe some bad press for selling everyone else. Um, but, in, you know, just as a move by itself, Tommy Pham seemed like a fine uh, guy to take a chance on. And, yeah, you're right. He was – I mean, talk about tsunami of bad. Uh, the, the start to his season <laughs> – was unreal. Uh, I just, just horrible. But yeah, you know, um, of course, now he did uh, misplay a ball in left field today that gave up uh, that allowed three runs to come in. Just horrible. But yeah, he's, he's not the problem with this team right now. And then, uh, Nate, I'll let you talk about either he or, uh, or Brandon Drury, who somehow, Brandon Drury going to be 30 here uh, before long. Um, he's got three home runs uh, tied for the team lead in, uh, in home <laughs> runs along with. The aforementioned Tommy Pham. So, yeah, those guys being your <laughs> the guys that are you're counting on. My goodness, how, where, how did we get here? I can't say too much about Brandon Drury because I don't know too much about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> he was not on my radar before he was the Cincinnati Red. Like I, he's a guy. I certainly care about the guy now. He's where he's wearing the right uniform, but I'm, I'm, I'm confused by the whole thing. I do kind of get a get a laugh of the irony of and. Trust me, I don't take any stock in this. Guys are going to say they're going to get their stats. Baseball, you can do that and still help the team. But Tommy Pham getting the, getting some grief from Reds fans for saying he was going to chase the numbers and then putting up those numbers against the Padres when the Reds <laughs> had only lost. <laughs> I wonder how uh, <laughs> he's going to reconcile that. But I don't know. You guys just kind of hit the nail on the head. We've, we're getting decent production from decent to below decent players it's time for the guys that are supposed to be good to be good. Unfortunately, some of those guys aren't on the team anymore, but the ones we do have have had really rough, rough starts. Yeah, the one everyday player, I mean, I guess, I guess Tyler Naquin. Of course, he's been hurt. Um, uh, he's fine. But the one everyday player that I, I've been happy with, obviously, is uh, Aristides, I mean, uh, Tyler Stevenson. No. But, of course, Tyler Stevenson is, is injured now. got the concussion. He'll be back soon. But he's been everything you could have asked for. But everyone else just basically has had – their struggles. And uh, speaking of struggles, what I want to talk about is uh, struggles related to our, our buddy uh, Phil, perhaps, but have you seen the attendance numbers recently? Now, you know, I don't know. They, they always say the kids are still in school. So the, the attendance in uh, this time of the year, great American ballpark, not always great. The attendance over the weekend was, was not bad. Um, necessarily the Cardinals in a lot of Cardinals fans there, but in the Padre series, <laughs> Uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10,000. 
9,100. And I think uh, today, uh, uh, Thursday, they had a little over 10,000, 10.4. Um, not good attendance numbers. Is that indicative of something other than just it's a bad ba baseball team or, or are people staying away because of all the negative vibes around the team? What do you think, Wick? Uh, yeah. Both. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I, I think – I, I, I think the Reds and the ownership group and the COO uh, made their bed and are laying in it right now, pretty much, you know, and, um, you know, no. I don't want to put you in a tough spot here, but some comments from earlier. Sorry, I, I, I had to drop that in. I'm sorry. <laughs> really still into our lives. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, but it's it, it's the truth, you know, it's. Uh, it, it's it, it's very much indicative of um, knowing what the priorities are of the people you're giving money to. And the moment you know that, you realize where your priorities are. And I think uh, for a lot of fans right now, especially, and granted, it's not been the best weather there today. Um, it's, it's, it's a show me something before I come back kind of thing. And, you know, uh, I think there's also a large, you know, there's kind of two trends of thought here. Now, after going through the pandemic and everything of the last two years and people still kind of, you know, there's kind of like two different diverging thoughts there. Some people are just so itching to go out and do everything they haven't done in two years. Some people realize they don't need a lot of stuff that they used to do um, and have found other ways to enjoy themselves. And I think what you're seeing with the Reds also is that a lot of people couldn't go to Reds games for a while. And now they're here. And it's been two and a half, three years since they last really went out of their way to go to Reds games. And for a team that is, yes, in Cincinnati, but is very much a regional team, you know, you're not going to see people driving from Dayton or Louisville or Lexington or, or Columbus to go see this baseball team after everything they said and after the product they put on the field and everything they did over the course of the winter. It's not like you're the Yankees and you're a train stop away where you can hear Yankee Stadium from – the homes of 2 million people because it's so close. The Reds don't have that, 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 that part of them. And so for them to alienate fans that have to go way out of the way to show up for weekday games like this, yeah, you're going to get these kind of numbers. And I don't think that's going to change. You could, you could throw a five-game win streak in right now, and this time next week it's going to be the same exact numbers because nobody's planning ahead to come to these games based on everything we've seen happen over the last couple months. And – the uh, sound bite that you were about to play. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, certainly. And Nate, before we sort of record, Nate and I were just briefly chatting with the NBA playoffs. And one thing I uh, realized over uh, during that pandemic was, you know, I, I don't miss it. I don't, the NBA, I just, you know, I don't have a team that I really care enough about to really like the Reds, you know, I'm just, I guess we're uh, pot committed here, but uh, I just. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Yeah, exactly. I recommend I it in teams. You you find distractions. It's probably better for you. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, says Nate, who's uh, not really paying attention because he's watching the Phoenix Suns, I believe, uh, out of the corner <laughs> of his eye. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I can see how that would be the case, especially in Cincinnati, which depends on it being more of a regional uh, uh, draw. Now, Nate, I'll let you respond to this. Um, to me. Yeah, I've made the case that – well, not, not just me. A lot of people made the case. The Reds don't really need attendance necessarily to uh, to make money. You know, that's not their, necessarily their business plan. They've got lots of other revenue streams. But if they're ever going to be any kind of real change 
and I don't know if there ever will be with the Castellans. I'm not, uh, you know, foolish enough to get my hopes up about that, but it seems like it would have to be some version of not, not, not much attendance um, because they noticed that at the ball yard. Um, plus some of the things we've seen at the ballpark lately. Now, I don't think we talked about it. I think it was since last week's uh, uh, show, but uh, someone rented a, a plane with a banner behind it uh, that says, where are you going to go? I'm already gone. Thanks, Phil. Uh, and flew that at, uh, near Great American Ballpark on game day. And then we've had a, a, this a number of, I think at least three instances of people wearing bags on their heads that say, sell the team, Bob. And they'd be in the, uh, threatened to be ejected out of the uh, out of the stadium if, uh, if they didn't take the, the bags off. And, of course, the Reds came out with another one of their uh, pathetic apologies uh, for that. We handled it wrong. Sorry. Yeah, right. Um, it seems like it's the first time in a long time they've ever actually gotten any real pushback, this ownership group. And so, yeah, again, I'm not foolish enough to think there's going to be actual change, but maybe the, maybe the, the things are kind of – the perfect storm is occurring here. To do that, what do you think, Nate? Well, if you had to uh, put a percentage on it, that chance is certainly higher now than it ever has been. I'm not saying it's high, but it uh, if it was zero, maybe it's point one, maybe it's one. I don't know. Um, things pretty much could not, other than one win, they were one win away from going literally as poorly as they possibly could for uh, Phil and the crew. Um, Cincinnati, we say it all the time, they're a baseball town, so if this team was good. There will be butts in seats. People, people want to watch a good team. They're starved for it because it's been such a rare thing in Cincy. Um, whoever the legend was that flew that banner over, I, I wish somebody that I knew could take credit for that because, I mean, that's awesome. That's commitment. People um, on Twitter were giving me credit for it. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, oh, man, I wish it was me. <laughs> you know, is, this you, is this you, Chad? Is this you? I wish. Yeah, yeah legend, kicking, right? Kicking the tires on it. But no, some uh, – some anonymous person, you know, the hero, the hero we deserve and the hero we need. He's, he's all the heroes. Um, the bag thing, I think it's hilarious. I think, um, and I'm sure that the people that were wearing those bags were just trying to get a laugh, trying to get on camera, trying to, you know, get on Twitter, get some shout outs. Once again, the, uh, the Reds fumbled the ball. Um, it was di- handled disastrously. Especially during the interview, like you could have waited until after the interview for them to go make the wrong decision. <laughs> but I don't right, know. In the, middle of a, in the middle of a TV interview, if you didn't see it, the ushers came up, uh, not ushers, but the team's representative came up. You're in the middle of a TV interview to yeah. tell them to take it off. Anyway, yeah, go I, I try to be optimistic about this thing. Like, I want this team to be good. I want to care. I know that there's a lot of negativity surrounding everything Reds related right now, and I wish that wasn't the case. I would like to, you know, at least be like a little bit of an influence in the other direction if I can, but they made it almost impossible. Like, I thought my shit yeah. as a part of this show was going to be be the optimistic guy, be the happy guy. Guys, the Reds, is fine. We're always bad. We'll have a good time with it. Man, they're, they're making it hard for And the thing about it is, is though, like, and we've said this before, and we've said it in number, numerous different places and numerous different medias and outlets, whatever. You know, the idea that your payroll becomes too bloated and you have to trim it down and you got to let a few veterans go and you got to start a, kind of a rebuild – it's not a foreign concept. It happens in every single sport. It happens cyclically all the time. A, the hope is, is that you actually won something before you started doing that, which the Reds didn't. B, you hope it's not the first time that the team ownership and GM is doing it, which is not the case. It's the third freaking time that the Castellanes have been going through this as well. And C, there's got to be a promise of youth that's set to be the future that you can at least like close your eyes and ignore the standings and look at 
these are the guys I'm going to be watching for the next seven or eight years and focus on them and watch them going forward. And Jonathan Indy has been hurt. Tyler Stevens is still hurt. Hunter Green lost eight miles an hour off his fastball mysteriously and got skipped, and Nick Lodolo hit the injured list today. So it's like, even if I'm just like, you know, keeping my tunnel vision away and ignoring the last uh, 27 years and the last five years, all that other stuff, and focusing on what it is that are actually trying to build around, even that's not going right right now either. And so it's so hard to find literally any thread to grasp and go on on this. And uh, to kind of segue slightly on this, which I think we're going to get to anyway, is that you know, for so long over the last, uh, let's see, 14, 15 years, when that's happened for the Cincinnati Reds, which has been often, there's always been at least one thing for me specifically that I've been able to kind of tunnel my vision towards and turn to. And that's watching Joey Votto play and watching him be this singular, otherworldly, unique unicorn of a figure in baseball and watch him do his thing when he comes to the plate once every two or three innings and get over the fact that the rest of it's not going so well. Um, and now he's having the worst month of his career as well and looks completely lost at the plate. And when you run through all of that, you run through the injuries, you run through the, even the good parts that are still around in the Reds that aren't even on the field because most of them are hurt also – there really is basically nothing that we've been able to tie ourselves to over the last four weeks of baseball. And I'm not sure I've ever been in that position with the Cincinnati Reds before. And we've been through a lot of really bad baseball, but I've never seen it, I don't think, quite as poor as it's been the last couple of weeks. And unfortunate. It's been unfortunate and poor at the same time. Yeah, and I do want to talk about Votto in just a moment, but but I do want to get your thoughts very quickly uh, here, Wick. On um, are you surprised at the? Uh, is it just that it's a perfect storm? But are you surprised that the fans are actually kind of making a little bit tiny uh, bit of protest here? I mean, it, uh, and why haven't we seen it before? Maybe it's just because all these things you talk yeah. about have come together at one time. I think I think the why haven't we seen it before is actually the question that, that I, I have kind of turned myself internally towards asking. And um and I, I think it's it's a it's a it's a worthwhile question that I don't have the answer to. But I think um the fact that there are enough fans that have been through this entire process that have been um kind of stuck in this rut that the Reds have put them through for so long. Um, I don't think it's surprising this time around. And I think it's the kind of thing that good baseball towns, which Cincinnati is, it 100% is, um, that's got to be there. You know, the, 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 the lack of satisfaction with extended, uh, poorly planned and poorly executed attempts at being a top-tier baseball team, um, that alone has to frustrate a fan base. But to do it with such frugality um, and such just indifference to the fans, um, at the same point in time, you can't tolerate that. I, I, I feel, I feel, you know, miffed at, at Cincinnati Reds fans if they weren't annoyed and and, and pissed a little bit about this. Frankly, so uh, I, I, I don't like to be too much of a rabble rouser. I, I probably am too much of a rabble rouser, but still, I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that this is where we're kind of drawing our line in the sand and saying, okay, if you want to be like this, fine. But you're going to hear about it, and you're going to hear about it as often as we can possibly tell it to you, whether it's through billboards, whether it's through podcasts, or whether it's through a legend putting a message behind a plane and flying it over, <laughs> flying it over Great American Ballpark. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's just maybe the, the, the like I keep using the term the perfect storm, and then the the the, the flame was lit ablaze by Phil Castellini and 
we're off. I mean, that was like the, the, the straw broke the camel's back. Any yeah. final thoughts on that, Nate? Or you want to um, go to Joey Votto? I think it's just, you know, Phil asked Reds fans to have a little faith, and I think that they had faith for a long time. And they ran out. Um, combine that with just the way that he completely you know, mishandled that fiasco. You took an annoyed fan base that was about it, but they were going to get mad on Twitter and they were going to get mad for a week and then baseball was going to come back and they were going to forget. Well, everything that has happened since uh, the home opener has not allowed anyone to forget. And then there are people like, you know, us and then, and then the guy on the, the, guy on the plane. You know, they're, they're not letting people forget. And I think that that is uh, going to be one of the more interesting subplots to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season. I, mean, I hate it for the players. I wish this was not the case. I would far prefer a full Great American ballpark with a competitive, fun club and a raucous atmosphere. But they've given fans no reason to go out there and show that kind of support. <sighs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, let's, let's, okay. Enough of that. We talk about that uh, entirely too much, although I have fun with it. We do need to talk about Joey Votto. Uh, so, so we're going to go to a nice, rosy, positive topic. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> there are no rosy, positive conversations we could have here. But, you know, Joey, I've tried to be positive. My Cincinnati Magazine column this week is about the five first round picks from Tyler Stevenson to uh, Nick Lodolo, I guess that are, uh, you know, all on the team now and, and contributing and trying to – but none of them can stay healthy. I mean, you know, Stevens is not healthy. Hunter Green, as we said, he incredible. We've talked about it. But as Wick noted, you know, lost all this uh, velocity in his last start, and they're skipping his start. Nick Lodolo, uh, we'll mention it later maybe, but he went on the injured list today, um, which, you know, had, a, I think, with a, a lower back strain, I believe, on the heels of his best start. I mean, he was, he was outstanding in his last start. Um, Nick Senzel is one of those first-round picks. He's Nick Senzel. Um, yeah, he's not been the guy because of injury and, and, uh, and poor performance. He had a, he had a big hit uh, today, though, right? Um, or was that yesterday? I, they're running together. Uh, not today. But anyway, um, and, of course, Jonathan India, who was – Fabulous last year, but he's barely been seen this year. So I was trying to be positive. Uh, but Joey Votto, his batting average, because that's the most important stat, obviously, is down to 129. His OPS, 444. He has zero home runs. He has three runs batted in to this point in the season. Uh, and, Nate, I'll just uh, – any thoughts about Joey Votto? I, 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 I'm – the point where I'm never going to doubt Joey Votto again, but man, he, he looks lost. He just looks lost. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad. It's honestly, it makes me sad. I have the most confidence that he's going to turn it around. He's just too good of a hitter, too professional of a ball player to, uh, you know, for this to be a season long sort of thing. Cause he's people fall off cliffs all the time. Not like this. This is a full on like, can opener into the pool from the high dive, three flips in the air. He, uh, he's he's got to turn it around, doesn't he? I hope so. He's 38. <laughs> I'm not going to doubt him, but he, well, I mean, he's not going to be this bad, but, but what can we expect from, from Joey Wick? Do we even know? Is there any re- way we can know? I, I, I keep trying to tell myself that even if Joey Votto had been something akin to what Joey Votto was last year, with everything else that's gone on with the Reds, they would probably be what 
four and 15 instead of <laughs> where they are right now. So I keep trying to tell myself that how poorly he's been throughout the course of this month is not the reason the Reds are where they are. It doesn't help, obviously. I, you know, I, I think I, I threw it on Twitter earlier today that entering play today, which was, once again, not a powerful day for Joey Votto, there were 212 Major League Baseball players who'd logged at least 50 plate appearances this year. Um, three of them had lower slugging percentages than Joey Votto, uh, and all three of them are middle infielders. Um, that's not good. You know, that's, that's decidedly not good. And uh, a couple things are at play here where I don't know really where to go with it. You know, we've we've uh, uh, been able to read, thanks to uh, Trent Rosecrans at The Athletic, we've been able to read about his, his back change, which is one part, you know, uh, based in science and uh, going with the hockey puck handle and everything else. It's another part of the fact that it's hard for him to find the old bats that he used to have. So there had to be some sort of change there. But Obviously, that hasn't worked a ton. Uh, he thought he had a home run in Dodger Stadium that looked like it was a home run that didn't get, give him a home run. So he showed he can still absolutely crush a baseball when he cues one up, and uh, that didn't count towards his total. Um, we know the baseball has been deadened. You know, we mentioned Nick Senzel a minute ago. Perhaps the greatest thing that's happened in the entire course of the Reds' week is the fact that we saw Nick Senzel hit a, hope, hit a ball that would have been a home run in most years and wasn't today. Um, that's the optimist in me saying, oh, Nick Senzel might look like he's, you know, squaring the ball up again. Um, you know, with Joey, it's just one of those things where uh, I'm going to be patient with him because I think he still has what it takes to be able to be a very good ball player. But he's struggling in a way that I've never really seen him struggle with. Um, he's taking walks, which is the Joey Votto we know. Um, I think that's something he's going to lean on as he tries to figure this out. Uh, but he's also swinging a lot of bad pitches. He's striking out, and um, it's going to take a significant amount of work for him to get back to being the Joey we know and to get those numbers anywhere close to where they're supposed to be because we're inching closer towards the end of April, and they still are where they are. Yeah, that's what's kind of gotten me the most is that he just looks uncomfortable in the batter's box. Mm -hmm. His timing is way off. and That's like Gordon Ramsay being uncomfortable in the kitchen. You don't expect Joey Votto to put that way, and that's what's got me kind of got me kind of nervous. Uh, I was expecting that uh, Guy Fieri was going to be the uh, first uh, celebrity chef mentioned here today. Uh, Flavor Town, baby. <laughs> oh, Flavor Town. You know, yeah, the game where Joey Votto went back to his old crouching stance. There, you see me imitating the crouching stance there. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, you didn't see that. I mean, that's gold, Jerry. Gold, um, and then goes back to his his more upright stance uh, from uh, from last year. It just shows that he's he's always tinkered, but it looked like a guy that's really struggling. And I don't know, you know, um, I'm surprised I haven't heard more feedback on uh, on the social medias about oh he's 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 paying too much attention to TikTok, you know that kind of nonsense that you always hear. I'm surprised I haven't heard. Maybe you, maybe you all seen that I, because people like to criticize Joey for everything. But I did think it was interesting on uh, on Twitter the other day. I saw he was posted some of his Statcast numbers and was kind of poking fun at himself for how bad he's been. I mean, he, he knows, uh, you know. But uh, I I just don't know. I'm not going to doubt him. But the the early returns are are not great. Let's run through some of the uh, transactions for the week. I you know I don't know if there's much to say about any of these. You guys jump in if you want to. Tyler Aikman back. T.J. Friedel to AAA. Some people seem to love T.J. Friedel. Um, and I don't dislike T.J. Friedel, but, I mean, he's T.J. Friedel. Um, <laughs> the Reds acquired a guy named Matt Reynolds from the Mets. Uh, did any of you all know anything about Matt Reynolds before the Reds got him? 
utility player? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> exactly. I did not. I didn't either. Right. Yeah. So uh, he was uh, he was waived by the Mets. The Reds picked him up, designated Ryan Hendricks for assignment. And then um, also the Reds activated Jonathan, as we said, added Reynolds to the roster. So he's now a Red. And to do that, they uh, designated JT Riddle for assignment. JT Riddle, Godspeed. We barely knew you. And they optioned Alejo Lopez to AAA. And uh, we've got a question about uh, Alejo Lopez coming up uh, in viewer mail. I'm going to go ahead and uh, and, and ask it right now because, again, I don't know uh, if either of you have a hot take about Alejo Lopez. But this question comes from John York. Now, John is uh, actually a new member of our Patreon family. And so uh, we're going to welcome John York. We'll give you your, your beer league softball position in a moment. But John's question is this. Long-time listener, first-time caller, could you discuss why did you think the Reds hate Alejo Lopez? I would love for someone to help me understand. Do the Reds hate Alejo Lopez, and uh, or do Reds fans uh, think overrate Alejo Lopez? Or is it just the fact that I like, I like saying the name Alejo Lopez? <laughs> One of those three. Either of you jump in. <laughs> I, I like Alejo Lopez. I do. You know, I I – there's a part of me that thinks, and obviously it's going to take more time than what we've had so far to, to see what happens when the weather warms up and everything else. But if all the reports about this new Denton baseball where, you know, perfect launch angle and 103 exit velocity off the bat of Nick Senzel barely gets you to the warning track today. Um, if that's the kind of ball that the teams are playing with for the entire season this year, which is no guarantee with Rob Manford and Major League Baseball, um, the idea that everybody in the lineup is just going to be somebody who's trying to hit the ball over the fence doesn't carry a whole lot of weight anymore. And Alejo Lopez is not the kind of guy who tries to hit the ball over the fence. And if suddenly putting the ball in play within the confines of a stadium is something that teams are going to have to do to get players on base, maybe you start looking more towards guys that can do that. And that's what he does. That's what he's made a habit of doing. He's done it very well for AAA Louisville. Um, you know, he's not the kind of guy who has uh, a ceiling. I don't think he kind of is what he is and that might work given how things are going right now. And, um, you know, I, I don't really understand, especially given the fact that everybody has been hurt up and down the roster at all the positions he plays, why he doesn't have a spot on this particular active roster at this point. I'm not asking for him to be, you know, batting second and, 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 and the, the first microphone interview at the end of every single game. But um, the fact is he's done enough, I think, at AAA Louisville to say he's warranted a little bit more of a chance up here. And if you can't get a chance with these Reds in this decimated roster, something something just doesn't add up there for me as well. Yeah. Right. 31-year-old 30, Matt Reynolds, you know, uh, ahead of him. You, you've got uh, Colin Moran. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, the one, maybe the worst defensive third baseman I've ever seen. Nate, I think you're a you're a as the kids would say, you're an Alejo Lopez stan, right? <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. Um, I'm pretty hot about this one. It doesn't make any sense to me. I know that there are smarter, more analytical baseball minds than mine, but Alejo Lopez has done one thing since he's been a professional baseball player, and that's hit the baseball. He puts it in play. He's hit for average at almost every stop. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's not going to slug a bunch. He's not going to hit a bunch of bombs. But our team is garbage, and this guy gets on base, and he hustles, <laughs> he hustles around the base pass. It's fun to watch. He is not going to strike out 40 of 42 at bats or whatever the punisher is you know, punishing my eyesight. 
This is really getting on my nerves. I mean, I look at some of the stats and going into today, um, Alejo Lopez, all the small sample size caveats, was third on the team in on base percentage, only 10 points from second. He was like sixth in um, OPS plus. One of the people above him was Brandon Drury. So figure that out. You uh, tie for fourth for the team in wins above replacement with zero wins above replacement. But. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it's better, yeah. better wins below replacement. Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 right. Not bad. Oh, man. He can hit the ball. Our offense has been anemic. Why not give him a shot instead of putting Colin Moran and his twin brother, Jake Fraley, out there all the time? Just to confuse us because I can't tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> it, that, that's actually true. You know, I, I, I was watching him the other day. I was like, oh, Jake Fraley's up. No, it was Colin Moran. Uh, I, di- I did actually do that this week. Um. Yeah, I mean, Alejo Lopez is Alejo Lopez, but on this team, I'm not sure why he can't uh, can't catch a break. Uh, since we're trying to be uh, uh, talk about some of Nate's uh, the guys that Nate stands, I do want to mention we're looking for positives. Nate has been on this podcast for months pumping up Graham Ashcraft, and Graham Ashcraft has four starts at AAA Louisville so far this season. His ERA that's earned run average um, one point zero four. 1.04 ERA. Um, uh, there's some, you know, he's he's walking too many guys, and uh, it's not all perfect, but not bad, not bad. I just want to give you some kudos, Nate, because you've been talking about Graham Ashcraft. All right, what other? Uh, the Reds uh, called up Philip Deal. That was a big deal. I'm sorry, I, I really apologize for that. Justin Wilson went on the uh, on the injured list. Did you all see Deal's uh, major league debut though? Again, there's so so little to hang our hats on. That was a fun moment. Bunch of guys there. He pitched well in his major league debut. Um, good for you, Philip Deal. What percentage of the crowd was there specifically for Philip Deal? Twelve point six percent. Yes, I think. Mm-hmm. So and I don't know what other uh, Nick Lodolo to the injured list. And Mike Moustakis activated. Now, how excited is everyone about Mike Moustakis hitting the ball today? He had a good, he had a good game today, right? He wears that uniform. <laughs> he wears every <laughs> square inch of that uniform. Two for three today. Scored a couple runs. Knocked one in. You know. Uh, hit hey, the ball uh, hard, too. Like, they, were, they were good hits. I don't uh, doubt uh, that there is still the ability within Mike Moustakis to be a decent baseball player. Uh, just... The, the injuries he's dealt with, like specifically plantar fasciitis, which I've dealt with off and on for the last five years, it just it sucks the life out of your entire legs, you know. And you never know when it's going to hit, when it does. You don't know if it's going to be three days or uh, fourteen days, or sometimes I, you know, a month at times. Um, I, I I I empathize with him tremendously, and it's part of the reason why I've not been more critical of the way that he's played since he's been with the Reds, but. Man, I hope he can actually just stay healthy because, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna be uh, another world superstar. But if he could just be something akin to what the Mike Moustakis we hoped we'd see, um, I think there's still a little bit of that left in him offensively. I'm not sure why I want to see him play defense too much out there at this point. But um, man, it, it, today was at least a revelation where it was like, oh yeah. The Reds signed him, and they couldn't give him away, so he's still on the team when he's healthy. Uh, hopefully, we can get a little bit more of that from him. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, defensively, don't ever count on him ever again. He's a designated hitter, frankly. Um, 
what concerns me is the Reds really need him to hit. And unfortunately, he's 33 years old, and he's never hit since he's been in Cincinnati. And so, I don't know. You know, I, I hate it for the guy. Um, I don't have any issues with, uh, with Matt Moustakas. Um, personally, like, you know, he's never insulted me, personally. I don't Style, I guess. He's I was a terrible hitter at 33 also, so I, I can <laughs> I can empathize that there. So I was a terrible hitter at a much younger age when Matt Moustakas <laughs> was crushing baseballs. Um, so, yeah, good for him. Good for him, uh, I guess. I, again, this is us squinting and hoping we see an actual player there. Although you don't really have to squint to see Matt Moustakas. Uh, Eugenio Suarez. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I should have said that. <laughs> The world has three home runs, uh, you know, uh, 156 OPS plus for Eugenio Suarez. Go, go Gino, right? Good vibes only. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I agree. Nothing to say there. You, you want to answer some questions, guys. We have a few, some viewer mail questions that will get us into a few other things, and then we'll check out here. And Let's go answer some questions. Sleep. All right, these questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. That's patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy, where you too can support the podcast. Um, there's a – here we go. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Um, before we do that, though, we do have a new member of the family. I mentioned him earlier, John York. John York uh, joined the family this week by supporting us at Patreon. And so, as is our custom, we give a, uh, a position out on the Beer League softball team. John York. I, I'm not sure what position he plays. Nate, you got any thoughts on? And I always put too much time trying to figure out these positions, and I had a hard time with uh, Mr. York. I ended up trying to settle settle on a flamethrowing righty, but then I remembered it's a beer league softball team, and you can't do that. So maybe he is a flamethrowing righty. He got kicked out by the beer league umpire for breaking the rules immediately, and then he goes and makes sure that the rest of the team – is well stocked with a cold one in their hands. Probably the most valuable player. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's it. The most valuable player on the beer league softball team. <laughs> now, I want to give you two questions to start out with here. Uh, two of you real questions in tandem because it's a player that we need to talk about. The first comes from Kyle Kapler. Kyle starts with, would you go to a Reds game if they had, the se- had a sell the team Bob all head night? The answer to that is yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but the other question was, at this point, would you rather see Scott Heineman again or Aristides Aquino as our left, quote-unquote, lefty masher? We also had a question from Andrew Moran. Do you think Aristides Aquino could strike out with three swings and misses on a single pitch like in Baseball Bugs with Bugs Bunny? What purpose does he serve on this team, or is there really nobody else that could take those at-bats? <laughs> Can we t- just for a moment reflect on Aristides Aquino um, versus Scott Heineman, maybe? But yikes. I, um, why is he still on the roster? I choose Scott Heineman for that answer because I had forgotten about Scott Heineman, and I would like to say that about Aquino. You want to forget it? I hate it. I, you know, Aquino was great for a month. He was fun. That was, exci- that was an exciting August. And he, he does seem like a great guy. I love when he guns somebody out on the base pads. Um, but yikes, this is as bad as a player can play. I mean, his batting average, 0-4-9. He's just striking out. Wick, what's 
What, what do we do? Um, are they afraid of losing him? By you know, this for an assignment, you're afraid of losing him. Is someone going to pick him up? Yeah, he's out of options, so you can't just send him back to to Triple A Louisville. But at the same point in time, if you're ever going to continue to think he's going to be potentially a part of your organization, putting him on waivers right now might be the best possible time to do it because nobody's going to claim him. So if you really think that there's still a hot streak in there and there's some mechanical flaw. You put him on waivers right now, and he's going to pass through, and you send him to Louisville. And if he sorts it out, he sorts it out. He sorted it out once before and gave us that August uh, a couple of years ago after he'd gotten designated for assignment the first time. Uh, the physical tools are there. I understand why people drool about him, but I don't know how much longer you have to watch to understand that it's not there right now. You know, And uh, you mentioned earlier the, the T.J. Friedel love. I think the T.J. Friedel love is as much the, the backup quarterback love as it is anything else at this point because, um, you know, when you see somebody who struggles this much get this much of a leash, uh, you want that same leash for other people as well and people who have kind of worked their way up and deserved it. And at this point in time, I don't see any particular reason why, lefty on lefty or not, uh, T.J. Friedel or Alejo Lopez, who has been shoehorned out in left field a couple times before, uh, doesn't deserve the same bit of chance that Aquino's got at this point because he's not 21. He doesn't have three options left. You didn't sign him for $8 million bucks, and you you can't even admit it to some cost at this point. You're running him out there every single day, and he's striking out 50% of the time. It's, uh, it is what it is, and um, I don't know. I don't get it. I do not get it at this point. My high school baseball coach did not approve of players striking out 50% of the time, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is the origin story of me as a tennis high school tennis player. Um, you know, so, speaking of tennis, though, I, I think about I think about Aquino often as I think about golfers sometime, where you look up in the past and you're like, oh, yeah, that one guy won the Masters in like 98 or 2001, and then you never heard from him again. He still kicked yeah, he got really hot. Yeah, he figured out how to hit a ball, and it was the, the greatest week of his life. And then he went back to not knowing how to hit the ball. And I think with Aquino, we kind of know that's what it was, that he got in that groove, and it was great. And it's not great anymore. And I don't know if it's ever going to be great again, but you can't afford to wait anymore, I don't think. Just like if you're a Major League Baseball player, you are like one of the most impressive athletes in the world. Like you are, you're, you're a professional. You're one of the best in the entire world. Mike Moustakas. <laughs> you're one of the best in the world at your craft. You are a one percenter. And if you just look at the numbers, anybody that listens to this podcast could come really, really close to producing at the same level Aquino is. All you have to do is just stick your bat out. And if you get lucky once, you pretty much have the same bat average. I guarantee you my batting average would be at least – Plus or minus within 49, uh, 049 percentage points. Because uh, <laughs> mine would likely be zero, but that's pretty close to it. Yeah, you know, okay, gosh, you know, he's he's like, a, it's kind of like the Chris Steins thing. You know, you have a great debut and so people want to give you, keep giving you shots maybe uh, and they think more of you. He had an incredible debut. But if you look at his minor league stats, that one year was the only year really that he had any kind of success. He has struggled his entire career and, uh, I don't know. He's, he's what is he? Twenty eight at this point. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure how he. I hate it. I mean, he's got a great nickname. He's at the Punisher. He has a great actual name, Aristides Aquino. Maybe one of my all time inner circle Hall of Fame uh, baseball names. Uh, he's got a great right arm, 
when he, uh, you know, and he's not a bad defender necessarily. I just make, make him the fifth outfielder, you know, like every team, especially with 28 guys in the roster, make him the fifth outfielder, but you're batting him fifth or sixth every single day. I mean, come on, you know, let him make a catch and throw 103 miles an hour to the plate in the eighth and ninth innings. That's fine. That's right. tremendous. Good teams have guys like that. And that's how they use them. That's sure. the only way they use them. There's been plenty of times, too many times, when he was the one protecting Joey Votto in the lineup. So if you're worried about Votto's production, are they going to pitch to him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, again, fifth outfielder, maybe he runs into one, hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning when you pinch hit him at some point, you know, against a, 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 uh, the right pitcher. I don't know. We spent too much time talking about Aristides, and I feel bad talking about him. And um, I hope it he's might awesome. be the last time we talk about him, though, so you yeah. never know. <laughs> Maybe the last one. I hope he's awesome for the Giants in a year or two. <laughs> That's only Reds pitchers that become awesome for the Giants. Tsunami of bad. Tsunami of bad. Yes. Tsunami of bad. That's uh, Aristides Aquino's new nickname, El Marcy. Rich Thompson asks a question that uh, – uh, he's talking about a different farmer, but who's the better Buck? Buck Farmer, who I know is one of Wick, Wick's favorite players. Buck Farmer, Buck Martinez, Buck Showalter, Buck Weaver, or Buck O'Neill. Um, how is it that we have a Buck Farmer? And be careful how you say that. This is a family podcast. Um, <laughs> and he's the least productive farmer on the team. How's that possible? Buck Farmer. I'm going to, um, I'm going to go with Buck Wheat. <laughs> Buckwheat. The version so played Kyle's, by Kyle gets better rain and he's got better drainage on his, whereas Buck's a little bit more. It's a it's a, uh, a kind of a convex uh, landscape and it doesn't hold its water very well and it's got too much sun coming on it. So um, you know Kyle's crops are doing tremendous at this point in time. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Kentucky. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got I got ag econ on, on the brain. Um, to the question though, I'm going to go Buck Showalter, and I'm very glad Buck Showalter is back in baseball because for me and for our generation, he's kind of the archetype uh, manager. You know, he's that guy who is always chomping on something. If there's nothing in there to chomp on, he's just in there chomping. Um, I've always appreciated the way he's come at the game. And I'm very glad that he is back in baseball this year after a couple-year hiatus. He's always been very special. But Buck O'Neill, I think, technically speaking, should be the answer to that question. But I had to give Buck Showalter a shout-out because he's always been one of those baseball personalities where the game is better when he's in it. Absolutely. I started to think, say Buck Weaver because Buck Weaver, you know, was, of course, the third baseman for the 1919 uh, Chicago uh, White Sox who lost completely on the level to the 1919 Cincinnati Reds, their first World Series championship. But I'm going to go with Buck O'Neill, who um, was the uh, the subject of probably my favorite baseball book, Joe Posnanski's uh, – oh, what's the name of it now? The Soul of Baseball, something like that. Okay. It's my favorite baseball book, and I can't remember the title. But it's amazing. I, I, would, I thought about going with Bucky Dent, but then you said it's a family podcast, so I can't go with that. So, uh, <laughs> but, but Bucky effing Dent is not on the list. That's right. Absolutely. Um Aaron Effing Boone kind of took that uh, role a little bit later. He's a, that's a little Reds connection there, but uh, mercy. I'm sorry if your kids are listening. Um, well, whatever. That's really not that bad. The Reds weren't good then either. Don't worry about it. Yeah. If, you, if you're letting your kids listen to a podcast about the Reds, you have to assume there's going to be some salty language. And if this is as salty <laughs> as it gets, you know, you're, 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 you're probably okay. Joey Gaditza asks, hey, guys, so this has been a tough season so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good call, Joey. 
What else other than watching the Reds lose, night after night, have you been doing for entertainment these days? I have watched some movies that I've enjoyed recently, and I've watched some minor league baseball and some college baseball. That's what I've been doing. What about you guys? I have done some of that with chat. Um, I've been watching the NBA playoffs, go Suns. And I uh, recently powered through the first season, the only season so far, of Severance on Apple TV+. And it was super weird and kind of awesome. Wick. So, um, so I'm I'm out here in in Denver. I, I moved out here about 11 years ago, and um, getting outside and avoiding baseball and uh, doing some backpacking trips is one of my 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 biggest biggest passions. And um, based on how National Park Backcountry permits go, you have to put in all your permit requests in basically March to find out if you're going to get the availability to be able to go do some of these things in. July, August, uh, September, when when the snow melts and these things are fun. So, uh, I've I've been busy the last couple of weeks trying to get my my uh, eyes dotted and keys T's crossed on what it is I'm going to try to pull off at some point later this summer. And I did land a permit to go spend six days backpacking in Yellowstone National Park in August, which I found out about a couple of weeks ago. So I've been busy trying to nice. coordinate planning that, which I'm incredibly excited about. I've been in the park a couple of different times. Um, never spend a night in the backcountry up there, but I've got two of my, my oldest good friends, uh, in tow to, um, to come with me on that trip. And so I've been planning way, way too far in advance for this one because I can't get it off my mind and it's not for another, um, let's see, it's, uh, four months. It's not for another 75 or so Reds losses from now. Um, but I've excited about that one. And as a result of landing that one, now I'm trying to work backwards and figure out some smaller trips to go on on the front end. So I'm better prepped for that one as well. So I'm, I'm pointing my, pointing my eyes and my ears towards the mountains over my shoulders at this point. That's a way better answer than we gave. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of crap television too. Don't get me wrong. So yeah, that, that's been in there too. Well, two things here. Number one, um, uh, bucket list. I need to join uh, Wick Cray, a backpacking trip one of these days. Um, so I, I would love to do that. Um, the other thing is, uh, I'm a little disappointed in you because, you know, you, you plan this trip and just are assuming the Reds are not going to be in the playoff hunt, uh, in August. So that's upsetting. Um, the two movies I've seen recently that I do recommend, let me just go ahead and say them cause I have to do this and, uh, you know, it's my show. Um, everything everywhere all at once is incredible. One of the best movies I've seen in uh, a long time. And then, uh, just today I saw the Northman. One of our brothers did not like that, Nate. Uh, but it was great. It was fantastic. So the what? Northman, it's a Viking movie. I was curious to get your take on this. Uh, I went and watched it last night, and I do not share your opinion. You I, agree with our other I was entertained. I thought it was a beautiful film. I loved it. Film. This is why you're, as the good as it. you're the critic. I'm the so this is, you know, this is the perfect David. kind of this is the perfect kind of response to make me well watch this now because now I have to. If you both said either one, I would just run over the shoulder and, and forgot about it. But now it's like I gotta know. We're like Rotten Tomatoes. Chad is like that first rating you see the critics, and I'm the casual viewer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does line up with this film. The, the tomato but, and the spilled popcorn. Gotcha. <laughs> exactly. I, I would say if you're on the fence, go watch everything everywhere all at once instead of the Northman though, because it's much much fair better. enough. Um, have either of you seen that that one? Not yet. Yeah, that's next. It's next up. You need to. It's amazing. All right, enough of that nonsense. Nobody comes here for my terrible movie reviews. <laughs> um, Joe Farsing, the 2022 Reds 
but as lame comic book superheroes. For example, Nick Senzel as the fragile fighter or Mike Moustakas as the arthritic Avenger. Who else you got? I don't know. I had, uh, you know, uh, I had Hunter Green as the fighting phenom or something like that, but uh, I, I don't know that I have anything good. Either of you all have anything? Nate, you got anything? I mean, Mr. Fantastic seems a little easy. Um, the Punisher? Is that, is that lame enough? Oh, yeah. The, super, well, yeah, yeah, but, the superpowers are lame. Yeah. yeah. He over doesn't at, punish. Uh, over, <laughs> <laughs> over at Red Reporter, we, we nicknamed Kyle, uh, Kyle Farmer the Combine. Because uh, he's out there harvesting uh, harvesting ribbies left and right. So, um, <laughs> the combine, the combine. That's that. That's the best I got on this one. I think that's a good one. Jace Linford asks at patreoncom riverfrontcincy. I saw this on Twitter and thought it could be a fun discussion. First of all, don't go on Twitter. Never tweet. <laughs> what could the Castellinis and the Reds front office realistically do starting today to start repairing? the relationship with the fans. What could they do starting today? I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure that the Castellini's given Phil's comments recently. I'm not sure they could do anything that would, uh, that people would take seriously. Although on the other hand, local print media will print whatever they say and uh, carry the water for them. So I don't know. Is there anything you guys can think of that they could do today? They could short of start, go ahead. They could issue an apology that that came off with a touch of sincerity. Um, it's not going to fix things, but it's a start. Start. They could just say something like, "Hey, man, we we messed up. First off, shouldn't have said those things. It's ridiculous. It's out of touch. Second off, we made some moves that at the time we thought we were right moves. Looking back at it, we see that we were wrong. We are going to put you know baseball people in positions to make baseball decisions. Keep our hands out of it a little bit more. Um, we're going to learn from our mistakes here." are the next steps. Here's what we're looking at. Here's what we're planning on doing to make this better. None of that's going to happen. It's pie in the sky, but it's something they could try to do. They could, they could start with an apology, a real one. The truth is some of that could have been said by Phil in his second interview. I, I understand. I, you know, I, uh, I know why they're frustrated. We've, we've screwed up over the years. And of course said he doubled down. So yeah, the chance of that happening, I don't know, but is there anything they can have? That, do you happen to have that second interview on video? I, I haven't seen it. No, I don't. I don't want to put you in a tough spot here, but some comments from earlier this morning on the radio are making their rounds on social media. I was just going to try to give you a platform to respond to kind of what you said earlier today, because I think some fans are taking it the wrong way, possibly, or you're feeling like they're rubbed the wrong way. Okay, which what, what, you have to be more specific. Uh, <laughs> he didn't even know how he screwed up. That red blazer and the... Oh my gosh, trust fund Phil, man. You're the guy. Yeah. So I mean, that's you had your chance. Like yeah, you, literally that was your chance. Um, you know, it this is gonna sound rough on the front end, but what I would like to see or what could they do? Um, trade Luis Castillo tomorrow. You know, uh, like pick uh, a direction. I get it, that, but uh pick pick a direction, you know, don't sign Tommy Pham pick a direction and go with it, you know, like it's that, you know, like that's, that, that, that's what I don't, you know, they've dug themselves up in such a deep hole where they can't go trade for anybody right now. They can't rescue a 2022 season. There's nobody out there to sign. You can't do that. You're not going to get the fans back because as we just watched, you had your opportunity to say, 
wow, that came off terribly. I'm really, really sorry about that. Free parking for the next month. Like, come to Great American Ballpark. You had your chance for that. Like, nobody's even to hear your apology at this point because you blew the first apology. Um, get a direction. Like, that's that's what I want. You know, get a direction and um, and commit to it. And that's and if if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But we've seen this team go just uh, everywhere, absolutely everywhere, and not commit to anything, not trust anything, not stick with anything. Hire Cal Bode, get rid of Cal Bode. Like just boom, 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 boom. Pick a direction and go with it. And you know, if it's if it's the future, make sure the future's got all the pieces you need to make the future right. You know. Um, Losing 120 games this year and picking first overall next year is going to help that, I get. <laughs> you know, uh, it's what you try to do with Senzel and India and Green and all those other gigantically high draft picks. Um, but commit to it and don't go get Mike Miner for 10 million bucks after you, you hit your magic number low and then you just come and spin it. Commit to what you're doing out there. And that's the one thing I could at least begin to trust in. And I would write a lot more about the minor leagues than I would about the Reds right now, you know, because at least we right. know that that pipeline was right there and that's what they were committing for. Um, and I'd schedule a lot more backpacking trips for the next two years because it'd be 2025 before the Reds are really worth, uh, you know, coming up and sharpening the elbows and punching around, you know? Absolutely. But really, there's there's the only answer to this is uh, to Jace's question. What could the Castellanis do to starting today to start repairing the fans relationship? There's really only one thing. And if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, you don't see the glorious billboard that says hash brown, sell the team, Bob. All right. Lightning round for these last few questions. Let's, let's run through them if we can. Um, James Urban. I think I figured it out. The Reds just decided to have a month long April Fool's joke, right? Can't wait to go undefeated in May. Yeah, except in your scenario, James, the April Fools, uh, we, the fans, are the fools. Hooper Powell, I'm planning on going to see Luis Castillo pitch Friday night in Columbus. My question is, do the idiot owners of the Reds get money from going to minor league games? And if so, should I spend that money going to see Alabama in concert instead? Well, I would say go see Luis Castillo and have a good time at uh, at the old ball yard. That's probably going to be fun. But I don't know. Alabama? I mean, maybe. I've had fun at an Alabama concert before. It was 20 years ago, but I had fun. <laughs> You're going to play in Texas. Got to be a fiddle in the band. Got to be a fiddle in the band. All right, a little bit of uh, riverfront uh, historical information for those of you. Nate and I uh, both uh, played uh, high school basketball fairly poorly. But our, high, our local high school that we played for, uh, you warmed up to uh, mountain music by, uh, by Alabama uh, because, I don't know, we were, you know, out, you can hear the way I talk. We were out in the middle of the sticks. It was not a private school. <laughs> it was not a private school. Play me some mountain music. My grandma and grandpa used to play. Andrew Moran, do you think Aristides Aquino could start? Oh, we already asked that question. Charlie Browning. Oh, we got to I, I got to check out here. I'm losing my, I'm losing it here. Charlie Browning, what will it take for fans to begin referring to Buck Farmer as Buck Sr. and Kyle as Buck Jr.? After Buck Jr.'s four-double night, I believe he's earned it. No, we've decided uh, – that's a good idea, Charlie, but, no, he's the combine. We're going we're gonna to adopt that. <laughs> Joseph Prince asks, is it 1982 all over again? What do you think, Nate? What are your memories of 1982? Non-existent. 
Joseph, I'm sorry. I uh, cannot answer this question. I'm not qualified. I will leave it to our more seasoned veterans. Which is me, because I know Wick doesn't remember not to 82 either. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't they technically have finished last twice in 1982? Wasn't that the year? Was, or was that, 80, was that was 83? Uh, no, they could, 81 was the year. But they were good that year. Where they, yeah, they split up into halves, and they finished second in both halves, but had the yeah. best overall record, but then they missed the 82 was the year they were just god-awful. Johnny Bates played third base in 82. Johnny Bates could probably play third base right now for these Reds. <laughs> maybe, maybe we try he's that. No, he's no Colin Moran. No runs, no drips, no errors. Exactly. I did. I don't remember 1982 either, but I did become a Reds fan in 1983 because I am old as um, <laughs> something we're not going to say. Rex Scott. The Reds, as of today, have the worst team pitching stat in the majors and are next to last in team hitting. They do lead the majors in fielding, which is something. he's go- And he says, just to be clear, I'm citing team ERA, batting average, and fielding percentage. So make of that what you will. But how much of this underperforming do you guys attribute to all the injuries we've had and what other factors are key to explaining these abysmal stats? My thoughts are, yes, injuries have certainly played a part in what's happened so far, obviously. But the fact that ownership and management did not – plan for any depth because every team has injuries, maybe not this many. That's also a huge part of it. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, yeah, injuries are a part of it. Either of you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I think that when we were, uh, you know, coming into this season with all of our unbridled optimism, we were trying to squint and find ways that this team could be good, could be competitive. And if you only have to list like two, three, four things that need to break your way for a team to be good, you know, it's not a bad position to be in. But looking back on it, we were listing like 14, 15 things that needed to fall correctly for the Reds to be a 500 team. And it turns out that uh, zero of those things have happened because Brandon Drury being the best player on the team was not on my Reds offseason bingo card. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a little thing yesterday because um, uh, prior to today's game, the Cincinnati Reds were slugging 285 as a team. And for whatever reason, because – uh, traumatic things tend to stick in my head uh, longer than others. 285 jumped out of me because I knew exactly that that was the precise slugging percentage that Willie Tavares had as a red in 2009. He's like 285. And Willie Tavares as a red Stop that. to date has been the most traumatic thing that's happened to me is watching a baseball team try to exist. Um, so I wrote an article titled the Cincinnati Reds are Willie Tavares because uh, they're collectively slugging 285. Um, yeah, I mean, injuries are a huge part of that. Like, this team was designed to have Jonathan Indy and Tyler Stevenson be the two best players on it. And they've both been absent for better or for worse, for, for reasons uh, under control and beyond their control. Um, but when you fall all the way back to those two guys being the two that you're leaning on most, and then they're both not there. And then 38-year-old Joey Votto, who you were hoping could turn back the clock to last year and not to two, three years ago, uh, not being there, um, it's the worst. It's the worst team in baseball. There's that's we've watched the worst team in baseball, and there's nothing about the results that should be surprising given what you've watched. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Just wrap and tie a bow on this guy right here, right? <laughs> Last question. <laughs> I'm, uh, Can't wait for you guys to have me back again. Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, you're welcome back anytime you want to be here. T.J. Hurston asks, as a Reds fan from the lost generation, I was born just after the World Series in 1995, so that's really the lost generation. 
Reds have not won a playoff series since. How much do you recommend re-watching old Reds games? I think I would explode if Joey Votto hit a home run to give the Reds a 2-0 lead in the World Series. Um, re-watching old Reds games, I don't know, you know, uh, Sure. I guess if I, it's hard for me to say, you know, I, I rewatched that 1990 World Series video a billion times when I was, uh, you know, a, a younger man. Um, I have the DVDs of the 1975 World Series that, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, I guess. But, and on YouTube, you can get the 1990 World Series games. Go watch them, I guess. But I don't know. I want this team to be good. I want the 2022 Reds to be good. I say definitely go back and watch the old videos because at least then you can envision the scenario that justifies being a Reds fan. Because it isn't for that constant pursuit to get back to that 1990 Cincinnati crowd. That's the only reason to continue being a fan. I, I'd say three things jump off the page of me. That's 100% scream yes. And um, the first is I want everybody who's out there to understand the, the where's Quinones reference. Everybody needs to know that reference. Watch it and find it and use it as often as possible. It's tremendous. Um, secondly, look at that AstroTurf and see the football numbers in the outfield and understand what that team played on um, because it literally is a completely different sport than what the, 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 the baseball players are playing in Great American Ballpark right now. Um, but as a part of that, that also segues into watching Barry Larkin, watching Eric Davis, and watching the best players of what you just missed out on and understanding why they only played 120-ish games a year because they were literally running around on concrete. Um, it's, the, it's the talent that those players had and that that team had. And even some of the teams beyond just the 1990 team, and you get into the Bip Roberts era and the Ron Gant years and Reggie Sanders and just some tremendous, tremendous baseball players that played for the Reds in the 90s. Um, watch Jose Rio pitch because, like, talk about power pitchers now and guys running up there 98-ish, 99 miles an hour starter. You could see Jose Rio being very successful in today's baseball game, just as he was back then too. Um, yeah, watch him. And in fact, I'm saying all this right now. I'm trying to remember the last time I went back and watched some games from from that era. I probably should do more of that than, than watch what we got right now, <laughs> to be quite frank. And also, Barry Larkin's playing and not commentating. It's a huge plus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple things here. Number one, uh, Wicks convinced me. I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is I would not be sitting here in 2022 still talking about this stupid franchise if not for the fact that I, uh, you know, experienced that 1990 World Series and then the teams afterwards. The 1995 team is probably my favorite Reds team ever. You know, they lost in the National Championship Series. But I love that team. Barry Larkin, Ron Gant, Reggie Sanders, just uh, Pete Shurek. I love that team. And so um, – so, yeah, actually, I, I need to go back and rewatch some of those. The other thing is, uh, where's Quinones? I do have to mention because uh, Nate, uh, Nate did some work. We now have a, a, a T-shirt in our in our store if you want to go uh, look at that. Probably need to get a picture so we can show it here. But we have a where's Quinones T-shirt at RiverfrontCincy.com. So go and uh, – Good work. You know, uh, Very good work. I know. That, that's a classic reference. And if, if people don't understand that as a Reds fan, I kind of judge you a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's up there with anything with, with Eric Davis hitting a home run, you know, in game one of the if, things you need if to you're know. Old, if you're old enough to have had a VHS cassette player in your house, you should know that. If you didn't have one of those, I'll give you a pass, but you should still get caught up on it because it's on YouTube. Yeah, Nate had to endure me uh, playing that uh, VHS cassette many, many times <laughs> when he was a when he was a kid. So anyway, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap up here? Uh, first, I'll go to you, Nate. Any final thoughts? 
hey, uh, better days are ahead. They have to be. So we're gonna we're gonna stay tuned. We're gonna root for the Reds. We're gonna have a good time. And uh, if we're not, then we're gonna we're gonna laugh through it. I had a good time here tonight. And uh, yeah, appreciate it, guys. I am what going to see Hunter. I'm gonna go see Hunter Green pitch tomorrow. I'm uh, heading down the road to Coors Field. I'm gonna catch. At least the first five innings of that game. I don't know if I'll stick around for all of it, but uh, it's close enough to where I can't say no to that. I um, was hoping to get a chance to see Nick Lodolo pitch as well, but apparently that's going to get bumped back, so I'm missing that one. But I will take that opportunity because for the same reason I'm still here doing this podcast and still writing about the Cincinnati Reds, there still is a lot of talent out there if they can ever just all stay healthy at the same time to watch – potentially turn into something down the road, but this April has been perhaps the worst month of baseball I have watched that I've watched. Yeah. There we go. Tsunami <laughs> of bad. Tsunami. Wait, uh, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me at redreporter.com. I swear we're going to get the Red Reporter podcast rebooted at some point. We've had it on so many different platforms for so long. Mostly because I had an old laptop that I finally got replaced right before the start of the season and it couldn't host anything because I couldn't stream anything. Um, so look for that at some point in the near future once the Reds actually do something good enough to make me want to reboot it up and do that. But find us at Red Reporter at, at Red Reporter on Twitter or RedReporter.com on the internet where we try to have at least a little bit of fun with covering the Cincinnati Reds baseball franchise. So thank you guys for having me and it's been a, been a blast per usual. And while we don't recommend getting on Twitter, if you happen to be on Twitter, uh, give Wick a follow. He is one of the, uh, the funniest, best uh, Twitter follows in the land. You got to laugh through it, right? If you're a Reds fan still, you got to find something to laugh about, right? It's precisely why we like having Wick on the show is because we're trying to figure out reasons to laugh. And if you've ever uh, been at uh, Red Reporter over the years, you know, they're trying to laugh through the pain. Oh, Always. we're trying. So. <laughs> well, Wick, this was uh, great. Nate, as always, it was fun. Um, thank you all for listening. Obviously, you can find us at uh, at the YouTube, youtube.com slash Riverfront Cincy. We're at Riverfront Cincy on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, and patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. But do me a favor. Go to YouTube. I don't even care if you actually uh, watch us on YouTube, but go there, give us a like and a subscribe. Okay? I mean, is that too much to ask? It's free. Come on. <laughs> um, we're And, uh, you know, follow us everywhere. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, we're, like, amazing or something. Uh Nate Wick, this is great. Thank you all so much for joining us. For Nate Dawson, for Wick Terrell, RedReporter.com, this and for Willie Tavares. This is Chad Dawson saying, so long, everyone. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. 
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 